BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Big Frida grew up in New Orleans and was inspired by an eclectic array of talent, from Michael Jackson to Diana Ross and Jay-Z. Big Frida's career rocketed into the spotlight after collaborating with Beyonce. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Big Frida recalls how her life has changed since collaborating with Beyonce and the many opportunities that came afterwards. And her new documentary, Frida Got a Gun. Big Frida, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm ready for the holidays, if I'm honest. What about you? I mean, I'm ready, but I'm ready for this year to be over. Yeah, me too. Me too. Where have you? Where are you right now? Where have you been? In New Orleans. I'm at home. I mean, I haven't traveled too much, you know, with this COVID going on. Lots of virtual performances and stuff. So can't wait to get back on the road. You know how that go. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Where do you like to travel to? Where's your uh, Where's your favorite place to travel to? Uh, I mean, honestly, I love to travel all over. Uh, if I had to pick one particular place, I love New York. I love Amsterdam. I love Paris. I mean, I love everywhere, though. Anywhere to get outside of New Orleans. <laughs> right, right. Although, you know what? My favorite uncle was from a little town called uh, Monroe, Louisiana. I don't know if you know where Monroe is. Of course. And uh, so I would... I would come down there and meet him in New Orleans while he was alive uh, every year. And uh, we enjoyed New Orleans. I mean, you guys make me smile in New Orleans, though, because New Orleans is the only place on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night at 2 a.m. where most of the people in the club in the bar are locals. You guys are locals staying out till 2 to 3 a.m. in New Orleans. You guys know how to stay out late. Oh, yeah, definitely. We definitely know how to party here. You know, uh, lots of times I'm, I'm coming home. Four and five in the morning, if if it's jumping. <laughs> now, are you a natural late night person? You like uh, you like staying up late, or are you an early person? I'm a well, I'm late night because I'm always performing, usually late, and doing clubs, and you know, so my life have always been late night. But when I got a roll in the morning, I still got a roll in the morning, if I stayed out late or not. 
Okay, okay, okay. Anyone in your family perform, or are you the only performer in the family? I'm the only performer. So how did you end up with that name, Big Frida? Who called you Big Frida first? How'd that happen? One of my friends called me Frida first. Um, my friend Raven, and she was just like, we got to give you a more girly name. They used to call me Big Freddy, Freaky Freddy, all kind of stuff. So she was like, we got to give you a more girly name, and she started calling me Frida. And then we put the big on it, then Queen Diva came, then Late Night Creeper, and, you know, all the other good things that came with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that, and I, I've heard you before talk about I think the other thing is you surround yourself with people who have good names. Like, I was listening to you talk to Angela Yee and, uh, and Envy and those guys on, on The Breakfast Club, and it felt like every name you mentioned was a colorful name, that you only surround yourself with people who have colorful names. I do. Definitely. I mean, New Orleans, we always make up catchy, fun names here. And um, everybody, ever since I was young, you know, me and my friend, we used to just make up names and call each other. You know, we'll get on the phone and he'll say, you know, um, is this Washakasha Fenway or something? <laughs> you know, we just make up crazy names and we we still do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love we that. We still do it. <laughs> yeah, I love that about uh, about New Orleans just in general. Now, are you a good cook? Are you one of those New Orleans people who uh, who knows how to uh, knows how to cook? Of course, I I have a, a cooking show and I also um, cook for my whole family every holiday. You know, all during the week, you know, I'm throwing food together. They're all popping up. You know, what you cook today? So, yeah, I definitely can cook. I can throw it out in the kitchen. My mom taught me very well. And, you know, that was just a setup. That was my way of trying to get an invitation to enjoy some of your food because, of course, I know you have a cooking show. <laughs> What's your favorite thing to cook? What do, you, uh, what, what do you love to cook? I mean, I love to cook everything. You know, it just depends on the mood of that day. But, um you know, I can throw down some cabbage and cornbread, some red beans and rice. You know, I could fry a mean piece of chicken. I, you know, I can do a great gumbo. Cornbread dressing is one of my, my favorite dishes. Um, booty popping potatoes. <laughs> I, I know how to cook all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so now, were you this fun when you were a kid? What, what were you like as a kid? Were you this fun and this lively? Oh, most definitely. I, I was way more lively than I am now. Hollering and screaming, walking up hallways, you know, just this big jolly queen. I was young, full of energy. I was way more fun as a kid. Yes, that's why I had tons of friends. People loved me. Like, they loved me at my high school, you know, my church home, all around my neighborhood. I was definitely live, loud, <laughs> loud and common. <laughs> And, and now, and now, were you out? Were you were you out and open even as even as a teenager? Oh, most definitely. I came out to my mom at um, thirteen. So as a teenager, I was in in my full bloom of uh, being who I wanted to be. You know, still trying to find my way, but I definitely was out. Now, now, now why did you have that confidence when so many kids don't? Because you know. For a lot of kids, that's been a struggle. Why, were, why do you think you were so confident that you were able to say that to your mom and, and be out in high school? Well, you know, the relationship, I think it was the relationship that me and my mom had um, that played a big part. And she was my biggest cheerleader. She was my protector. And once I told her, I didn't need approval from anybody else in the world. Um, once the lady who born me approved it, I really didn't care what everybody else thought 
And, um, you know, so once she had my back, I, I started to move forward and started to find myself. And, um, you know, that's what it was. It, as long as mom approved, I didn't need nobody else. And, and what about other folks at school? The fact that you came out, did that give other people confidence to be themselves and accept themselves? Was there a ripple effect among any friends or classmates that you saw? I don't think it was a ripple effect. I think that, um, you know, my friends in the community who were gay, you know, they they looked up to me. They They looked up to my mom. She was like the cool mom. They always came over, you know, their moms wasn't so accepting. So they had a, a really rough time at home and a really rough way to go. But as time went on um, and they started to see me and my mom's relationship, they started to lighten up a little bit. My mom started to talk to their moms, you know, and as time went on, you know, they built a great bond with their moms. But um, no, it didn't definitely didn't start a ripple effect. It was very much not talked about a lot in a neighborhood. It wasn't so accepted being black and gay and in the hood. Um, yeah, it was always being something being whispered about you or, you know, we had to fight and st- fight for who we wanted to be and stand up. My mama used to always say, you better go back out there and be a man and kick their And di- And did you? I had to. I had no choice. You know, I... If somebody picked on me, you know, I was very quiet and I was very humble and it took a lot for people to, to get me riled up. But when you did, it was hard for me to come down. Hmm. Hmm. You, do you feel like it is different now being black and gay than it was back then? I mean, I guess the obvious answer is yes, but, but I guess I'm thinking about this a little bit because you also said your church home and I know I've, I've always felt like I'm the grandson of a Baptist minister, and I've always felt like there's been an interesting um, dichotomy there that on one hand, I felt like uh, people who were black and gay often played important roles in the church. Yeah. But I felt like there was almost a don't ask, don't tell. Everybody knew, but I felt like the conversation didn't always happen out loud. What was your experience like? Same thing. It was it was the same way. It was don't ask, don't tell. Everybody knew. I mean, I was the choir director, and the organist was gay, and we had other gay choir members. So it wasn't something that was always brought up, you know. Um, it was just, you just roll with it, and uh, they accepted it. They loved us for who we were. We didn't have to hide or be closeted. Um, and that was the most important thing, that they still accepted it, uh, if they talked about it, they talked about it amongst themselves, and we didn't know. And my godmother, who was the head choir director, um, she was, you know, she would protect me, and she would be there in defense of anything that I wanted to do. And in the church, she would have my back. So it's all about support systems, you know. And I had a great support system with my mom at home, you know, my my godmother at church. And, you know, I had a few friends in the the community that that supported me. So the little trouble that I did have to go through with kids at school and other folks in the neighborhood, it didn't happen so much. But when it did happen, um, you know, I I think I was old enough to be prepared and to kind of handle it on my own. And if I did, my mom was going out there ready with a bat, a gun, whatever she needed to, to fight for me. 
I mean, that is such a, uh, you know, Maya Angelou used to say that every child should have one room that they walk into that some adult's eyes light up uh, when they walk into that room. And you just speak with such confidence and peace about where you are uh, that it tells me that you had that probably not only from your mom, but maybe from other people too, uh, which is a blessing. Cause I feel like, I yeah, I feel like not everybody gets that. And, uh, no, I feel, yeah. Yeah. I had a friend that had no rooms and it, I was there with him the, every step of the way. And he was in and out of youth study and, you know, had to deal with a lot and had rejection from his mom and not just his mom, but his whole family. So, um, yeah, I saw it, you know, on the other hand as well. And I definitely had a few rooms that I can go in and be myself. Talk to me a little bit uh, about your dreams if I had met you in high school. I mean, did you see this uh, this stardom coming your way? And would you have been able to lay out for me all of these wonderful things that have happened for you over the last decade plus? No, I have not. Um... I wasn't, you know, when I started, I started in gospel music. I didn't think that I would be where I'm at now. I actually thought that I would be a gospel composer or a famous choir director. You know, I was heavily into gospel music. You know, had I was the director of my high school choir. I sung with many choirs around New Orleans. I traveled um, the world with the choir. I had my own choir. So I didn't think that I would be where I'm at now in this field. Um, and I think that I had big dreams and big goals when I was young. I always wanted to do stuff that was outside of the outside of the box. You know, they used to ask me, you know, what I wanted to be when I was when I grew up. I always wanted to be a, a nurse. I wanted to be an RN, and um, I also had big aspirations of having a house built out my faith. And you know, I even had the design drawn and. I wish I could find it, but like I always had big dreams of things that I wanted to do, though. And my mom them used to be like, boy, you have some big old dreams, <laughs> you know, and they never shot my dreams down, though. They always supported me and said, I know one day that you're going to do it. And um, so I, I had a great support system, you know, goes back to that great support system, uh, things that I wanted to do. And they they backed me up, you know, 100 percent. Was it the same way for your siblings? Did you have brothers and sisters and did they also, were they also big dreamers and did they also get that kind of uh, uh, love and support and, and affirmation? I mean, to an extent, you know, they, they definitely got the same love and support, but they didn't dream the way that I dreamed and they didn't want to do the things that I wanted to do. You know, we all have our own path and um, my brother, he was more of, he loved it the hood. He wanted to be one of the hood boys and he wanted to do the things that the boys in the hood were doing. My sister, she kind of followed in my mom's footsteps. She went to hair school at like my mom and did things that my mom was doing. So we all had different, you know, paths that we wanted to go down. And I wanted to be like my gay uncle who was a, a nurse and a psychiatrist and a social worker. Like he had many fields of things that he did. And I wanted to be like him. And um, so, yeah, we all had different paths, but we all got the same love and support. She bust her ass for all of us. She did what she could do for us. She made sure we had the best of everything. Um, you know, she was a great mom and she 
she provided um, unconditionally for us. I, I, I love hearing that. I uh, I ended up with a good mom as well, which is uh, a blessing. And what I like that you said earlier is that she was also a good mom, I feel like, to other people in the neighborhood, too. Oh, yes. And my mom was also one of those who shared. Yeah, she was that mom that you can come to and, you know, talk about anything. And she would definitely tell you the yays and the nays and, and, and all the in-between. She would tell you when to get off and, no, you don't, you shouldn't do that. She was a powerful lady and she was small, but she had a powerful mouth and people respected and loved her in every decision that she made. It was most likely for your for the best of you. And um so I just follow those steps and and, and, and try to follow what would my mom do or, or what would my mom say. And um it got me a long way. <laughs> for people who don't know bounce music, how do you describe it when you're at various festivals and places and people are like, I don't know bounce music. How do you describe it to them? Bounce music is a New Orleans-based music. It's a subgenre of hip-hop. It's up-tempo, heavy bass, call-and-respond type music. Has a lot to deal with shaking the ass and moving the body. It's a party music. It's a fun music. It gets the party hype. You put on a Frida song and the club going to twerking, okay? <laughs> now, what did you call twerking before everyone knew the phrase twerking? What did you call it? Well, you know, I, I usually use the, 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 the term twerking, you know, for certain things. But we shake, we wiggle, we wobble, we bend over, bust open. But we used to call it <laughs> pop. You know, it's just straight old <laughs> pop. I, I love it. That's too good. Now, how did you? Now, how did you start getting famous with it? Like, how did you get into it? For someone who was thinking about being a nurse, who was thinking about being a choir director, who was thinking about being a psychiatrist, like listen, um, things happen. <laughs> um, I actually, you know, the music was always around, and I loved the music from from young. You know, middle school and high school, they were playing at the dances. I'm twerking, flipped upside down on the wall with the girls, hands on the ground, feet on the wall. Like, we're doing all kind of crazy shit, you know, doing these fun times back then. But my friend Katie Ray was the first transsexual to come out with Bounce Music in 1998. And me and Katie were friends. And I started to um, help Katie out, background Katie, go to the studio and do some recordings with Katie. And... You know, Katie needed that support system that we've been talking about, you know, thus far. And so her friends were her support system. Her mom and her family wasn't too accepted of it, but her friends definitely were. She put us in songs. You know, we were her little crew. We traveled with her. I went the background and rap and shake my ass for her. And then in 2000, I did my own solo project. You know, this producer called and was like, you should come do a song. Everybody love you. They love your sound. You already have the voice for it. So I did a song in 2000 called Uh Uh-huh, Oh Yeah. And I never looked back since. Um, You know, things just started happening for me. My name got bigger. People started to, you know, book me for little DJs and, and, and little venues and concerts and stuff. And when I decided to take this on as my full time career, I just started going full force. I started making more music. I started setting myself aside from everybody else that was in the game. I wanted to be different, so I had to set the tone a little bit different. So my grind was just 
unbelievable. Like I never stopped. I just was very consistent. I was on their neck. I, you know, came up with all type of, type of gimmicks and parties and, you know, events that just kept my name ringing. I just started to create and um, I never looked back. And this is where it has gotten me. And what was the moment when you knew that you were breaking through or that you had broken through? Like, was there a moment when someone recognized you or when something happened where all of a sudden you were like, this is different? Yeah, I mean, there was two events that really changed my life. I know Katrina changed my life where we were displaced all over the world. And I started to get phone calls all over to go and travel, to bring a sense of New Orleans to people. And our music was just all over the world. So people were like, what type of music is that? Teach me that. Oh, I like this. So they started requesting for Frida to come. Everybody at the clubs, all my New Orleans people, shout out to them. They started requesting for Frida to come and bring them a sense of New Orleans. So I did just that. That was one place that took me to making my name get further and me getting hotter in the streets. But um, a few years after that, um, I started to travel outside of New Orleans even even larger, and I took a chance on going to New York and doing some shows with my friend Spank Rock. We did five shows in New York, a little a little run, and then I hit the New York Times, and they did a big old write-up on me and said there was something funky and fresh, a new music, and everybody started raving and talking about it. And when I got back home one day, I started, I had a decorating company as well. Uh, I had my hands tied in all kinds of stuff to make money. So the decor, I was decorating and pulling some fabric out of my car one day and I was right in front of the club and there was these two white guys jogging up the street and um, they stopped me and was like, oh my God, you're a big freed. And I'm like, oh my God, how you know that? <laughs> you know, like I have always had all black fans. I've always been all the hood spots, you know. I didn't know nobody, you know, knew me. And they had saw the New York Times article and they was like, we read the article on you. We love you so much. And then I knew something had changed right then and there. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, like these white people know me. I know it's something that's about to change. So I started to get all type of recognition all around the city. More and more people started to know me and things just started taking off. I finally got an agent. Um, that started booking things for me and started like sending me all around the world, all type of cities and states and countries. And there we go again, 10 years on the run. Another, you know, chance to, 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 to keep the name going and to keep the, you know, branding myself and not knowing what I was doing, just doing what I love to do, you know, and that was, to make people have fun and to turn the club up. They knew if they wanted to turn the club up or if they were trying to build their establishment, they had to book Frida because Frida brought the crowd. Frida had all type of gimmicks and ways to, to bring the people in. And so I just was doing what I love to do. And I was having fun and making music and making people have a good time. And things just started to, finally uh, turn around and the fruits of my labor have finally started to flourish. We'll get back to that in a moment. I wanted to take a minute to share a great discussion I recently had about freedom of speech. This issue seems to come up more and more these days in the political realm. Who gets to have a platform and what should they use it for? 
For comedian Ida Rodriguez, it's not just about politics. These conversations reach every part of our lives. That is the burden of being a person of color, black person in this country. So when it comes to comedy, yeah, a lot of us feel like we should be able to say what we want to say, but we feel like we have to be a megaphone for the realities, which you saw Dave Chappelle do that 28 minute thing mm -hmm. about George Floyd because we can't even just be funny right now. Our conversation was part of a panel on race, politics, and the American dream, brought to you in partnership with Chevrolet. You can hear the full discussion on ozzy.com slash real talk or on our Ozzy YouTube channel. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. So who did you admire? Like when you were figuring out your way and trying to do it your way, were there certain people you were looking up to and who uh, who kind of gave you inspiration or at least you said, man, I wouldn't mind getting some of that? I mean, I looked up to a lot of people. I mean, just musically, uh, from Michael Jackson to Prince to Patti LaBelle to Dionne Warwick, Diana Ross, Jay-Z, Biggie. I mean... Tupac, it, it was just so many people that I looked up to musically, but like locally, 
I looked up to, you know, girls like Gina and Sissy Shannon. And those were the girls in, in the neighborhood that were doing stuff and their name was ringing. And they were very popular. Everybody in New Orleans knew them. And Bobby Marchand and Sylvester. And, you know, it just was all these different people that I knew people knew and they loved them. And I just wanted to be known and loved. And um, so I looked up to quite a few people in my life. And so the, I actually love that mix because that's such a nice wide mix of different kinds of people. But it makes sense when I hear you say that. When I hear all that together, that sound, that gumbo sounds like that makes sense. Uh, tell me about Beyonce. How did she? How did she come across you and start adopting your music, your sound, your work? Well, one day she had came to New Orleans and saw me at a club a long time ago, and it was her, Kelly, uh, Roland, and Solange, and they just came to hang out with me and see me perform. And that was the first time we came in contact. And then I was invited to her mom's 60th party that was here in New Orleans, and all the stars were there. We hung out, we danced, we laughed. You know, it was just amazing. And then, um, you know, a few years after that, my publicist called and said that Beyonce want to talk to you. And I was like, well, girl, why are you still on the phone? <laughs> so she called. I, I was sitting by the phone waiting for the phone call. And I was nervous, excited, you know, all at the same time. And when she called, she said that she wanted me to be a part of this project that she had coming up. And she was going to send me a snippet of the song. And she wanted me to talk some New Orleans on it and I was like oh that's easy you know talk some New Orleans I, I talk lots of <laughs> so um, she stopped this clipping it was about three to five seconds which was not a clipping to hear nothing it was like girl where it went <laughs> so after we got the clipping me and my DJ we went to the studio we looped it over for about a minute and 30 seconds to two minutes and then I started to talk some on it where I came up with I did not come to play with you and, you know, I came to slay. I sent it back, and she said, oh, my God, this is perfect. I love it. Next thing I know, I'm walking up at a parade for Endymion around Mardi Gras time, and a fan come up to me and say, oh, my God, it's Big Frida. I just heard you on a Beyonce song. I said, oh, my God, I didn't hear myself on a Beyonce song. So I had never even knew I made the project. Um, so running from the parade, going, you know, flying to, the, you know, to my car, calling my manager, look, somebody just said they heard the Beyonce song. He was like, you lying. Holy And he started leaving the parade. We both trying to listen, get to the song. And that night was just amazing. People coming from everywhere. Oh my God, the Beyonce track is so fire. This is so big. And, you know, after that, things just started to take off even more. And I'm forever grateful for Beyonce. I love her so much. And I appreciate her even Knowing who I was, liking my sound, and putting me a part of the project. It, it, it will go down in history forever. And it was big for New Orleans and for, for the movement of Katrina. And um, we love her here. So, so I know that people always talk about the music game as being a difficult one to make your money, to keep your money. Lots of movies made about it. When were you able to get your money right being in the music game now for two decades, 20 years? Uh, honestly, um, you know, things still happen in life. And, um, I started to get my book straight, you know, over the last, I guess, six, seven years. Um, 
to really get everything in order. You know, for the first half of my, you know, the first decade, it was just like, um, you know, I'm just taking cash money, just making lots of good, fast money. And, and so it was free and clear money for, <laughs> for a long, long time. And, you know, I didn't really know, you know, I'm just doing what I do, I, not knowing the real business side of it. But when I started to really say, okay, you know, about 2009, I started to really dig in and started to get my books together and figure out um, how things should be. And I still deal with issues with money. Um, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a case right now with issues with my money of uh, people thinking they can do what they want with your money. And um, so even if you get, you know, things straight and you're doing things by the book, people still will chance you and, and, and try to play with your coin dollars. And, um, yeah, I'm dealing with that issue right now. I'm not saying too much about it, but I am dealing with an issue right now, a very big issue where lots of money was stolen from me. And how did you find out, if you don't mind me say, asking, and, and if you do mind, don't, don't go there, but... Yeah, I was... No, it's fine. I, I, was going to, uh, I was going to buy a new house. And when I went to go buy the new house, they couldn't find one year of my taxes that was supposedly filed and I was supposedly had them paid and the taxes was never filed and they were never paid. And that's how I found out. And I started to question, well, what, why is this not paid? Why is my taxes not filed when I paid the person and I supposedly had a lot of money came out of my account to go towards my taxes. And that's how I found out trying to buy a new home and, you know, a bigger home, trying to build my house from the ground up my dream home. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still dealing with that. Still not able to go into my dream home yet. Um, you know, still waiting on the IRS to open five, five million pieces of mail that they had to deal with, with COVID. So all of this was found out at the beginning of this year, as I was going, look for my land and purchase my land and all of that. That's when I found all of this out. Man, what a uh, what a crazy way! But in a weird way, it's actually good that it happened now because it could have kept on going oh, on yeah. for longer. Yes, longer. Yes, and um, when I look back at it, we have to look back at stuff, and it's been going on for the last five years that they were not doing what they were supposed to do, and um, it's gonna get taken care of, though. Don't you worry, the diva is on it. <laughs> okay. I- <laughs> Somebody going to jail. The woman from Josephine's. Somebody going to jail. Okay. You know what? It's funny. What what do you think would have happened if you hadn't become as successful a musician as you are? You could have gone in a number of different directions. I could tell because you have some strength in you. I do. Like I said, I was... You know, I only have maybe a semester left to become an RN, so I, I would have been in the nursing field, I'm certain. I was a manager before, like I worked for fast foods before. I I, be, I was a CNA, I wiped and, and, and took care of people. So I've done a lot of different things before I stepped into the music. Um, I was always a hustler. My mom hustled 30 years on her feet continuously doing hair, being a psychiatrist to people, listening to their stories, making them look beautiful. So I know I've always had hustle in me.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Now tell me about those nails that you have there. What are those nails you have? Just the just the diva nails. <laughs> you know, I just get them blinged out. It's not too over the top. Um, sometimes I go over the top where it's all diamonds, where you don't see nothing but glitz. But um, just a little little Christmas holiday spirit. I love it. I love it. Hey, tell me about this documentary you have. Congratulations. Tell me about your documentary. Thank you. Frida Got a Gun. So Frida Got a Gun is a new documentary that I put out and wanted to do something to help the kids of New Orleans and what's going on in the black community with violence and gun violence. I've been a victim of violence. My brother was shot and killed due to violence. I saw many people in my community lost their lives and family members hurting. And, you know, George Floyd was my friend. I just keep seeing violence all around me. I've been seeing it since a kid. And it was time for me to, now that I have a platform, to do something to, to try to get this in a, the right hands of our local leaders, our national leaders, and let them know there's a bigger problem here in New Orleans. It's not all good like they think it is. It's not all fun, Mardi Gras, food, you know, music, 
speaking, we do have a bigger problem here, and it's the kids of New Orleans and their future and their and their community where they should be able to grow up and be kids and be safe. And I wanted to do this documentary. It took a lot out of me. I had to really dig deep to do this because I did it six months after my brother was killed. So I, a lot of wounds hadn't even closed before I started to record this documentary. And, um, you know, I just wanted to do something to try to help save some of these kids. And, and, and it's important because the kids are our future. And, um, yeah, the documentaries are getting great reviews. It was very informative of what's going on and, you know, trying to get the right leaders to, to do something. These gun laws are too loosely. Um, and, and we need to try to fix that problem. We're going to keep losing our kids and we're going to keep losing our black young men, especially if we don't do something about these gun laws. Big Fred, what do you think can be done both if they if they do change the gun laws? How would you tell them to change it? And if they don't change the gun laws, what can be done even without changing the gun laws? Well, first off, you know, you have so many guns on the street that are illegal. Um, we need to figure out some kind of way to get all of these illegal guns off the street. We also need to figure out if they don't change the gun laws, you know, make it tougher for to get a gun and do a, a stricter background check. Also protect these trains and all these different places that travel with the guns. A lot of times these places are are robbed or broken into as they're transporting the guns. We need stronger security from Homeland Security on when these guns are transported. And honestly, I don't think we really need guns, but the military, when we're going to war. Um, if people had to go back to fighting, I think that's that's where we, we should be at. Um, if all the guns were removed off the street, there wouldn't be nobody being shot or killed. Hmm. One of the things that I think a lot about, and I was talking to someone out here in California, and he was talking about how to teach people how to de-escalate uh, tense situations, situations that sometimes go left. Have you learned anything about that? Um, because sometimes it is the guns, but sometimes it's what we do in that moment when our blood is running hot. Yes, I deal with that all the time. I've been dealing with that for a long time, especially being in the business I'm in. So imagine being at the club and you seeing all type of stuff always escalate and people getting into it and people fighting. I will jump in the middle all the time and try to you know, derail them from taking it to the next level. Because, you know, once the fight starts, they're running to go get a gun or they're running to get some type of weapon or something. So I'm always in the middle trying to stop stuff and 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 cool people down. Um, that has been a big role of mine for many, many years. And a lot of times my friends around me saying, you know, you should back up and you should not get involved. But I feel... Like, it's a part of my duty, especially when I'm at the club, I'm right there on the scene. And a lot of times, being who I am, people tend to listen and people tend to calm down. And it has worked for me thus far. Thank God. Praise God for that. Um, that I can get people to walk away. And um, so I'm always trying to defuse the situation. I still do it. I can walk out my house right now and if there's a couple outside trying to fight, I'm trying to calm them down. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what happened, but I will step in immediately and, and try to tell them, let's see if we can talk this out. Let's not get the police involved. Let's think about, you know, what you have to lose, your kids, whatever. You know, I would just go out there and just 
go straight in. I'm, I'm both glad you do it and probably like your friends, I'm nervous for you as well because as you know, things can go any direction quickly and you probably, yeah, being someone who's so quick-minded, you probably have, and, and I can tell that you have a sense of people I bet a lot of times it's that you say the right first word or the right first phrase. Yeah, it, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm, it's always the approach because you have to be very careful about the approach, the way you approach people, especially when they're heated. You know, sometimes they don't care who you are and they, you know, and, and if that's the case, I just back up. You know, I don't say anything. I don't back up. I don't go back and forth with them like, you know, whatever. I just back up and let a higher authority handle it. Even if I'm on a scene and I can't handle it, I'm going to go to somebody who can. And then that's the security or the club owner. We're going to try to defuse it as quick as possible. I'm quick on my feet, like you said. I try to think of fast things and fast, fast tactics to, to not get people harmed, you know. And that's my biggest thing because bullets don't have names. They They go astray all the time. And it will be the innocent bystander that, that get hit versus the person that's into it. I saw it happen so many times. Yeah, I, 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 um, uh, it's heartbreaking to me how quickly it can happen, how quickly people's worlds can change forever. And so it's also interesting to me when you talk about stepping in early, because if something gets to a certain place, you know, it, it, it can go. So, um, so I'm grateful for, uh, for your documentary. One of my mom's favorite phrases was, she used to always tell us when we used to get into trouble, she used to say, it's easy to get into trouble, but it's hell and hot water to get out of. Mm. Mm. And that stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. It stuck with me. You know, just thinking about when I want to do something, I'll be like, damn, I might get in trouble. You know, this might do something bad. You know, it just stuck with me. She used to always say Easy to get in trouble, but hell and hot water to get out of. And it's true. You know, sometimes things can't be reversed. And, and you know, you got to go through all this shit to get out of the trouble that you don't put yourself in. But why go through all of that when, you know, sometimes you can talk about a situation or you can just figure out a solution versus you sitting in jail or, or somebody dead or somebody hurt really bad or, you know, whatever the the situation may be. And, um... You know, a lot of times she used to say, think before you act, think before you act, think before she used to just drill stuff like that in our head. You know, was your uh, if you don't mind me asking, and if you do mind me asking, I'll let it go. Was your brother who passed away? Was he younger? Was he older? He was younger. I'm the oldest. Um, yeah, he was my he was four, five years younger than me. And, um, you know, he just. He wanted to be like the boys in the hood. He was a thug. He wanted to do everything that the boys in the hood did. And we kept trying to save him from the neighborhood. You know, he would keep going back, though, keep going back, kept trying to save him. And, you know, once my mom passed away, he just went off on a deep end and he really didn't care no more about life. He wanted to be with my mom. He was lost without my mom. He was, uh, you know, uh, a baby boy that just needed mom and um she wanted to make sure that we all were able to stand on our own if something ever happened to her and he was that one that still wasn't able to stand mm -hmm. well hopefully he is uh he's with her now so um oh yeah most definitely she came to get him yeah yeah that's that's uh 
that's the sunnier side. I, I, I appreciate that. Hey, um, uh, I want to, um, you mind if I try something different with you? Uh, I usually do something called rapid fire, but I'm going to call this. What's that? <laughs> uh, I, call, I call this rapid fire. You know, what? I, I like your smile and your quick move. I like that. <laughs> I want to do what I call rapid fire lyrics with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a name of somebody or something, and I want to see what kind of lyrics or anything that comes to your mind when you hear it. Okay. <laughs> you didn't say that with enthusiasm, but that's okay. I'm gonna try it anyhow, because 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 New Orleans is a creative space. People are creative out there, so I'm gonna see what you're gonna come up with. We are okay. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, uh, Donald Trump. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> I I didn't know where you got you. Know, I, you uh, you know what I was about to say with that. One. I did. I did. Did I did? Um, okay, I'm gonna leave Donald Trump alone. That was funny. I, that, that's a good. One. I'm, that was funny. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> Um, uh, Michelle Obama. Oh, Michelle Obama. That's the hot mama. I like that. I like that. I like that. All right, COVID. Germs everywhere. Germs everywhere. Germs, germs everywhere. I have to throw my little COVID song in there. I like your COVID song in there. Dave Chappelle. He got a story to tell. China. The country or the person. You choose. All the goods. All the goods. Booty shaking. Big Frida. I love it. Hair. You like it? I like it. Okay. Okay. All right. You did that perfectly. Uh, Big Frida, my last question to you, I'm always asking people about what they've learned about love. What have you learned about love? I'm, what I've learned about love, I mean, you know, I am love and I, I spread love continuously throughout everything that I do. And, um, you know, I just remember to remain humble, to remain gentle and, um, you know, as much love as an and light and positivity to the world to, to, to try to make it a better place. Big Frida, I, I appreciate you. I really do. And, uh, I'm looking forward to coming to new Orleans and, uh, and eating well and learning how to twerk. Yeah. So as this COVID is over, you know, we we gonna do that, make it happen. And also, I'm working on my new restaurant called Frida's, and we are planning to open summer of next year. So, you know, you come hang out with me at the restaurant, listen to some great music, and eat some great food. I would love that. You know, I love how you do the cooking online. I was saying to our team that one of these times I want to cook online with you, maybe. Let's do it. I would love that. Let's do it. We could do a virtual, a virtual cooking. I can show you how to do my booty popping potatoes. <laughs> that may be the best name of any dish I've ever heard. I love that name. Did you come up with that, or did somebody else come up with that? Of course, me. I, I come up with all my names. Like when I'm doing my menu and and all of that, I come up with all my all of my stuff. I do twerk main. I do booty popping potatoes. I do my bent over biscuit Benedict. I got all kinds of stuff, all kinds of good, good, good old stuff. <laughs> that is too good. I love that. That is too good. Um, well, listen, uh, Big Frida, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to ask you to make sure you come back. I will. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. It was very good talking to you. Have a nice holiday. Have a good holiday. You too. Much, much love. 
Much love. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.